guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. If you want to hear about who built Dubai and the many companies involved uh, under the ICD framework, uh, this guest is one of the, leads one of those companies. Uh, they've been doing it for 20 years. Uh, they've been involved in mega projects such as Concourse A in DXB, uh, many, many hotels, uh, including one and only. And they've been super involved in Expo 2020. And we'll hear so much around what went into that project. And then the one Zabil as well, which I found really interesting. We get to that later in the interview. Uh, so it's going to be kind of finishing next year, inshallah. Uh, so really good, in interesting podcast. Uh, we'll jump straight into it. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. Today, we're joined by Kez Taylor, the CEO of Alec, A-L-E-C. Alec is a company that's been setting new benchmarks in construction industry with innovative designs. Alec has played a role uh, a leading role in developing the Expo 2020 site, so quite topical at the moment, and we're going to delve into that. And also, uh, by being the only construction company participating this year, you can find them on the ICD Pavilion, where they'll be unveiling their modular housing concept. Uh, Kez, thank you for joining us. Okay, pleasure. Nice to be here. Uh, great. So, um, can you tell us a little bit more about Alec, the kind of found the history of the company and what it does? Yeah, so we're a construction company. Um, we've been operating here for 20 years. And uh, we went from a startup business um, to a billion dollar a year turnover business in a very short space of time, which took us seven years to get to that point. So we were very fortunate to be in the right place at the right time. And, um, and with that, what we experienced was really exponential growth to get up to a billion dollar a year business in you know, double quick time. How did that happen? That we we naturally think of that trajectory for tech VC startups. How can a construction company go to basically a unicorn in seven years? Well, I think um, the first thing is, I mean, your core um, capacity and people has to be intact. So we were very fortunate. We had an amazing team of people. And if our core was strong, then what we did was we built around that core. But it is quite a difficult thing to do um, for any, any, any type of business, especially a construction business, because you need a lot of people. But I think our core was strong. And then um, around that core, you know, we actually established values for the business way of operating. And then we built around that. But it was quite a scary trajectory to go through. And what were the kind of business offerings uh, in construction? Because it's quite a diverse industry. What did Alec focus on? Yeah, so we started off here at the Minal Salam. Um, yeah, part of the Madinat Chimera project and um, that was our first project that uh, that we got into and uh, so we did a lot of resort hotels in the beginning and then eventually we played a major role at uh, the Dubai airport. We've constructed about a half of uh, the Dubai airport facilities. Um, we did Concourse A which is dedicated for the A380s. I'm sure a lot of you have been through it as well as Concourse D which is for all the international airlines. So we played quite a big role at Dubai airport. Okay, so this must be going. So when did you start? When did the business start? Yeah, so we started in um, 2001 and, uh, okay. you know, that's when we really got going. Okay. And can you tell me a little bit more about construction business in terms of uh, within the UAE? Do you do a lot of the kind of manufacturing? Do you have factories? Do you have joinery? Do you, how do you source the materials and things like that? How is it structured? 
Yeah, so in, in construction, uh, we use um, a lot of subcontractors as well to do the specialist trades. And then we do a lot of the work in-house as well. So traditionally, what we look after is all the structural works, mm. um, all the MEP works, a lot of that we do in-house. And then some of the specialist work around that. And then we'll subcontract as well. Can you explain MEP? That... Yeah, yeah. so that's mechanical, electrical and plumbing. Uh, okay. So pretty much... Uh, the heart and soul of the building. Okay. Okay. So, like any kind of service and uh, company that's that's providing a piece of work for a, a client, do you tender for these big hotel and big construction projects, and then you then you allocate the resources and you have the team in place to deliver them? Correct. Yeah. So um, traditionally, what would happen is there'll be a design, there'll be a tender, and then um, you got to price it and. You know, one of the, the challenges of our industry is uh, that pretty much the lowest guy often gets selected to go and do the work. It doesn't mean the lowest guy is necessarily the right person yeah. to go and execute the work. Um, a big thing that we try to trying to educate um, the industry around is uh, that you've got to go with the best solution and the stakeholders that can provide the best value. Okay. Um, you know, what we keep saying is, you know, if you're going to send your kids to school, you don't send them to the cheapest school. If you're going to go to a doctor, if you're sick, you don't go to, you know, the, the cheapest doctor. You're going to go to the right doctor. Yeah. And I think in construction as well, and that's uh, very similar for designers and contractors and specialists, you should go with the parties that are really good at what they do, mm. can add the most value and then help that development to be a, a success. Okay, interesting. So it's, it's around, the, it's your 20-year anniversary this year. How has your business changed in the last 20 years in terms of not just the size, but the types of services you provide and the, and the requirements of your customers? Yeah, so I think, um, look, I think construction has been going on for centuries since the beginning of time. You know, we've been designing and building buildings. Um, so, you know, that's been in place for a, for a long period of time. What we're trying to do is we're trying to innovate and perfect the process in delivery. Um, a big challenge in the construction industry globally is that um, traditionally, using these traditional models, about 80% of these projects don't finish on time or within budget. So there's a lot of work that goes on around the world. I mean, around about $11 trillion worth of construction work. And by far, the, the vast majority of these end up being not successful in terms of time and budget. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to figure out how do we assist teams that projects become very successful for everybody involved in it. Okay, interesting. 80% is a big number. Yeah. Uh, is that similar in the UAE? Are projects kind of, do they have that completion rate in terms of being on time as, within budget? Yeah, that's a, that's a global statistic. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm not 100% sure what it is in this region, but I wouldn't think that it's actually too far off that. Yeah. So, you know, what we trying to trying to focus on is um, collaborative models. And, and if we use a collaborative model, uh, we all the key players get together early on and they all work towards the overall success of the project, not the individual success, but the success of the project. Mm. Then you've got an 80% chance of success. Okay. So it's the inverse of uh, the traditional models. Okay. So we feel that collaborative contracting um, is a very easy win. It, it, it doesn't need much investment. It doesn't need um, you know, much time. All we've got to do is we've got to educate people around a different model of delivering these complex big jobs mm. more successfully than what they are at the moment. Okay, so you do focus on the big jobs. Obviously, Concourse A and, and hotels are big jobs. Yeah. Uh, the, 
And how is the company structured in terms of is this you know that size revenue? Would would you be are you listed on a stock market? Are you privately owned? And and what are the sort of uh, yeah what 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 industry? What does it look like uh, for the future for the business? Yeah, so in terms of ownership, uh, we're 90% owned by the Investment Corporation in Dubai. So they are majority shareholder, and for us, they're a fantastic partner to have. So ICD, um, they own in, in excess of 135 different types of businesses, and the likes of Emirates, Fly Dubai, um, Kersner, one and only, um, a lot of the banks. Um, so they're a very diversified group, but they all kind of businesses that are interwoven into the fabric and the life of people living here in Dubai. Yeah. And, and we're very much part of that. Okay, exactly. Interesting. And just in terms of, you explained some of the services earlier, but uh, for me to understand a bit more, uh, you know, if you're taking on a project, who do you have on your team? Do you have quantity surveyors? Do you have d- different types of project managers? Do you, do you have everyone on your books? Or are you always looking at different partners as well? Yeah, so internally we would have quantity surveyors who work for us, but the client would also have a quantity surveyor. So between our quantity surveyor and the client's quantity surveyor, they would work together to figure out how much you should get paid for doing the works that you've done. Yeah. Um, so there's parties on both sides that are both called quantity surveyors. On our side, we'd have somebody who runs a project, hmm. and, th- and that person is a very key individual for us and actually for the project as a whole. Um, so that person can pull a team together and basically set them in a direction. And you've got to be a very good leader to do those type of things. So okay. we don't just look for technical skills. We look for people who have the right kind of leadership qualities that can pull off big, complex jobs with a lot of different stakeholders and individuals yeah. that, are, that are often pulling in different directions. Yeah. Fascinating. So obviously, you know, construction is everywhere in Dubai. It's such an interesting space. Uh, how, you know, we'll talk about the expo as well, but how have you sort of personally, um, you know, viewed the sort of last decade or so with projects in Dubai? What are the trends and what are the things that have excited you here? Well, I think if we, I mean, we can talk about the expo just now, but um, I mean, the expo as a development is a phenomenal development. I mean, we've been pretty fortunate. We've been involved in 22 of those projects. And if you 22 th- of the pavilions are, are yeah. Yeah, pavilions. Um, so there's 195 countries that are going to be exhibiting there, of which some of them have their own individual uh, pavilions, and then some of them are, are um, catered within existing buildings. But then also there's the main theme buildings that are around it, you know, the um, sustainability, opportunity, and uh, mobility. So we've been involved in some of the bigger ones as well, as well as the Dubai Exhibition Center as well, which is basically all the conferencing facilities. So, yeah, we played a a big role there. But as a development, um, if you look at the expo, I mean, from a master planning point of view, you know, actually getting all these different countries to come in and get the whole development to integrate and work as a whole. Um, I think, um, you know, those are the kind of projects that we've been part of. And I think people, when they do go there at the beginning of next month, we're going to be absolutely blown away yeah. by the expo. It's amazing. And that's obviously, I think it, the project expo was one in 2012. So did you start at that point? Were you involved from then or, or did the construction happen later? Or how, how was the journey? Yeah, the construction happened towards uh, the latter end. Um, so that's when we got involved in the last couple of years. Okay, amazing. 
so amazing. So, how, okay, I'm just trying to comprehend the numbers and things like that. I haven't actually been down there uh, for the recent announcements and the recent projects. Uh, so, uh, just trying to understand the kind of size of the development. I think I cycled by the Spinney's 92, we went through the village and I went through the exhibition centre. So are, are these sort of individual uh, projects, are, are these like you would treat a, a hotel development and do you have, did you have separate teams on it or are they all kind of working together at the expo? Yeah, so I think you got the overall, let's call it the infrastructure, the development which had to get put in place. So the roads, the network, um, and then within the development itself plus mm. um, so you had to get your infrastructure in place. And then um, then from a project point of view, you've got a lot of different people that are working on a common site in different areas all over the place. So logistically, um, things have to get handled, materials, people coming in, et cetera, on a daily basis. And uh, the Expo have done a phenomenal job of handling logistics in a um, the right kind of manner at the right point in time, because the, the logistic plan kept changing um, within the development. And then you've got all these multiple contractors all working simultaneously and together. Yeah, amazing. Is that what you were saying earlier about collaborative? Was the, is this an example of something collaborative or with, is that in a different context? I think it's in a different context, but I think, yeah, pretty much everyone has a role to play, but pretty much you're part of a bigger development which has to come together. So everyone has to play their part in pulling an overall development. Um, is it... Is there, uh, Chaz, is there something comparable to this? Is there something that you've seen around the world? Is it, it feels like it's almost like building a city. You know, would, would an Olympic or a World Cup uh, development be comparable or, or no? Or is there anything comparable? Look, I think with a World Cup, you know, often what happens with a World Cup, it's in multiple cities. Um, and often with a, a soccer World Cup or a rugby World Cup or anything like that, it's not centered in one definite place. I think the unique thing, yeah, is that this is a major global event that's going to take place in mm. one location. Like you say, what we are building, we're building a city for the future. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, we will obviously be impressed because we might be impressed about the, you know, connecting the minds, connecting the future themes and the, uh, the things that happen within the construction. But is, there must be uh, global eyes from the construction industry of what's been built. Are, are you seeing a lot of... Uh, sort of industry coverage and people impressed with what's been what's coming or have they seen it yet <laughs> yeah the um I, I honestly think people um haven't really seen what's been done and i think when the expo does open there's going to be a lot of interest from a lot of different industries yeah. as to you know the quality of what has been put together some of the best architects in the world are, are working on that development you mm. know from uh, norman foster to santiago calatrava to Ikaria to um, SOM, um, who designed the Burj Khalifa. So some of the best creatives in the world have come together to um, put this amazing development in but place. We always like having more time. Has the pandemic helped or, you know, was it on time last year? And, and uh, or were you able to kind of even make, I was listening to a podcast about a movie and they said, well, we had more time, so we made it even better. Is the project even better now? I think um, I think the master planning is still the master planning, yeah. and um, the scheme that would have been completed a year ago um, is going to be ready now for October. So I don't think anything's really changed. Yeah. Um, 
maybe in some of the country pavilions, maybe they've had a little bit more time to develop the design. But if you look at the original concepts of the expo and would it, if it had have occurred in 2020 or 2021, I think it would thing. have been, but it was brilliantly designed. Amazing. Interesting. And the role that Alec will be there. So if we go to the ICD pavilion, will you be showing off some of your work and some future ideas as well? Yeah, so the ICD Pavilion is an interesting one. Um, the decision was made pretty late that we were going to participate. And um, what we had to do was come up with something pretty unique and different. Um, and uh, we, we didn't have an, 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 an open-ended budget. We, we had to work within the constraints of what we had. So what we decided to go for was to create an outside area, um, very welcoming, um, and we decided to use bamboo as a main material. Okay. And uh, the reason why we, we wanted to work with bamboo is that bamboo is very fast growing, very strong, very flexible, and you can mold and shape it into what you really want to do. Mm. So we use bamboo as our, our main material for the structures. And, um, and then within this, we're going to create a, a journey that people actually go through. And then it's going to exhibit some of the ICD companies. Um, and then... Within that um, pavilion at the at the back, uh, we're going to be exhibiting the um, modular construction housing units that we got there. Okay, okay, nice segue into that. Yeah. Um, so, but that will be an always-on sort of. So all the guests that arrive at the different point when they get to the ICD pavilion, they'll be able to experience that bamboo uh, journey and be able to see that that area. Yes, yeah. So it'll be open. Yeah. And people will be able to and. We've also, what we're going to have at the main entrance is an audio-visual waterfall, um, okay. um, which is um, then integrated into the bamboo, ah. and then people will meander and walk through it. And uh, yeah. so what we see the pavilion as being is uh, very relaxed, um, very welcoming. Um, it's not a rigid building with a door. It's, um, it's an open pavilion that hopefully people are going to walk past and, and, and want to go a little bit further to find out what's behind and through avenues of bamboo amazing i've heard that the audiovisual capabilities of the site in general are are uh, really uh, groundbreaking and there's um, lots of kind of uh, amazing ability to have great and stunning displays and shows so that'll be exciting uh, okay let's jump into the modular housing so you know one of the sort of uh one of the interesting things around construction is there's a lot of conversation around manufacturing and different types of housing and there's different solutions in different types of the world. What are Alec, what's Alec's uh, view on this and what is the modular housing offering that you have? Yeah, so, you know, we were chatting about conventional construction that um, pretty much the models we're using globally are, are not working as well as what they should. So as an industry, we got to figure out how do we actually improve things moving into the future. Um, so modular construction for us is one of the, things that are going to contribute towards improving delivery efficiency. And the other challenge that we're facing, especially in Europe and the UK, is that the younger generation don't want to necessarily be artisans. They all want to go to university. They all want to study something else. And there's very few kids that you'll encounter who want to be um, a bricklayer or a carpenter or an electrician or a plumber. So those skills are dwindling. Ah. And in the UK at the moment, there is a massive need for affordable housing that's um, efficient and well-constructed and that can get delivered at speed. So there's a massive demand and we're sitting with this dwindling um, industry that doesn't have enough people working within it. Okay. 
I never knew that was one of the reasons why there was a shift to different types of housing. I never knew it was a lack of skills. It's an interesting way of looking at it. But obviously, you know, like you were saying earlier, uh, by having set, uh, you know, forgive me for use of words, but by having kind of prefab or ability to get things out faster, you can control it sense, you can control the production times better. Is that idea? Yes, I think if, if you look at uh, conventional developments and construction, we reinvent the wheel over and over again. Okay, so we'll do a design, we'll then build it, and then it'll get operated, and then we go and do the next one, and we start all over again. Mm. And it's a blank sheet of paper. What we want to do is we want to come up with a product, um, and that product must be very desirable, well-designed, and um, and something that people are actually going to want to live in. Mm. And I think hopefully what you'll see when you go to the um, ICD pavilion, have a look at the link modular units, hopefully what you'll see is that we've created um, a very desirable product. And our focus is mainly on the UK market. Okay. So um, we think we've come up with something. We've used um, really good interior designers. LW Designs have assisted us with the interior designs. And what we're looking at creating is, is something that is maybe better than conventional. Why have you chosen the UK? Well, because it's, it's, ve it's very expensive to build there and there's a massive demand. And what we believe we can do by manufacturing here in Dubai, we can manufacture this product, um, we can then transport it um, on, a, on a cargo ship quite easily. So we're very close to the cargo ships. And then from there, we can then transport it through to the UK and then transport it. And it's volumetric modular. So basically that entire unit will then get offloaded and placed on site. And also what it can be is it can be what we call stackable. So you can create a, a multi-story building using the system. Fascinating. Uh, wow. Uh, I, what I was, there's many things there, but I'm really impressed that you would manufacture in Dubai because not everyone sees the UAE as a manufacturing space and manufacturing uh, you know, developments here to be exported to a market like the UK. That's really interesting. Yeah, but I think if you if you think about it, it does make sense. Um, so our cost of production, yeah, will be a lot lower than what it would be in the UK. Okay, we've got to transport a little bit further, but that cost relative to the overall cost actually does make sense. Okay. And we are based here, and um, and and we do see Dubai in the future actually becoming a more and more a manufacturing center. Wow. Yeah, fascinating. We I spoke to before on the show. Uh, the CEO of Danube and Kef Holdings, and we discussed this topic because you know um, there are some kind of highly valued uh, companies in the US in this space, and they're offering these type of modular housing, and it, it seems to be quite popular over there. And we were wondering why it hasn't really taken off here. And they both spoke about trying it in India first. Uh, why? Why do you think we don't have modular housing concepts uh, prevalent in the UAE yet? Look, so I think if you look at the market, yeah, we do have the skills here yeah, to um, to construct. Our cost of construction, yeah, is quite a lot lower than what it would be, let's say, comparable to the UK. And um, our cost of production is the main reason why we want to be here. And we are based here as a business. Yeah. But do you think there'll be demands from developers and, you know, will we be seeing more modular housing on plots and different developments within Dubai and the UAE? Um, I think so, going into the future. So the first thing is the authorities have to come on board with the new system. Yeah. So that's the first bridge that we got to cross. We're currently working um, on doing that uh, with partners. 
So um, in Singapore, as an example, a lot of the housing that goes on in Singapore is multi-story and a lot of it is modular. Mm. So they've already made that transition um, into this method of construction. Mm. In addition to being uh, more efficient in terms of time and completion rates and budget, are there environmental benefits of modular housing? Yeah, I mean, the waste is almost uh, nothing. Okay. You know, the materials that we're using can all be recycled and reused. The longevity of the product is another factor. Mm. And also the energy efficiency of the building compared to conventional construction. Um, it'll be a lot better. So there are a lot of betters, uh, a lot of benefits. And then the other big advantage is speed. So in theory, what we can do is we can build a multi-story building as fast as we can manufacture the modular units. Okay, wow. Uh, so can you just explain a little bit more about the difference in materials and how the modular buildings differ in terms of energy consumption? Yeah, so we would, um, our, our makeup would be, our, our frame is out of steel. Okay. Um, and then basically the build-up of the partitioning walls would be using um, insulated materials with boarding. And, and that is uh, very energy efficient. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, so, uh, you know, basically, you know, do you think that there'll be a lot more, uh, is this going to be a trend that really kind of takes over globally? Will, will the percentages increase in terms of uh, modular housing? Will construction be, are we at a turning point in how the construction industry and the manufacturing part of construction industry is at at the moment? I think we're in transition. Um, at the moment, the, the big challenge is that people need to make massive investment up front. Oh, so okay. you basically got to put a big production facility in place, and and that takes a big investment. Hmm. Then what you got to figure out is how do you get a pipeline and secure enough work at that production facility can actually keep productive. Hmm. Um, but we believe in it. We've made the investment, and we are we believe that this is going to be a way of the future. So we've already. You've done the upfront bit. Yeah, we've already we've already <laughs> jumped in the ocean. Yeah, amazing. Okay, so it'll be fascinating to follow. Thanks for explaining it. I find it a little bit complicated. But can you just talk a little bit about uh, materials in terms of the pandemic and uh, the kind of last twelve months and eighteen months in terms of uh, supply logistics and what have what have you what would your narrative be around what the world and what the UAE has gone through. Uh, from a materials point of view? Yeah, so I think, I think the, where we've been very fortunate in the UAE is the construction industry never shut down. Yeah. Shut down. So, um, the, um, you know, that, uh, that, that was a big plus for us. In countries where the construction industry shut down, those companies had a major problem that they had to deal with. Um, so you can imagine if you've got 11,000 workers that you can't repatriate back home and they can't go to work and you're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, so when we spoke to government, we asked them for two things. We said, please allow us to repatriate our workforce back to their home countries if need be, and please keep the construction industry open. We managed to do both of those. Okay. So we were pretty grateful about that. In terms of material supply, um, I would say our material supplies in general have actually kept, um, kept moving. We have had some challenges, but um, we managed to keep going yeah interesting so on, on both of those points so uh your projects went ahead there were obviously uh, you know uh maybe some delays and some things for to do with the pandemic but in general you had to repatriate some people but you but in general the construction didn't fully go to zero you kept going yeah we kept going i mean obviously we were um constrained as to how we could work like for instance on a high-rise building 
And normally, let's say you could put 40 people in a hoist, and we could now only put 20 in a hoist. Okay. So it would take double the amount of time to get the people up because you are constrained by uh, the lifting equipment that you have on a project. So we've had to learn to work around those kind of constraints. Yeah, so mainly social distancing constraints. And, yeah. And, yeah, interesting. And, and working, working environment. Yeah, exactly, interesting. And uh, but but wasn't there price uh, as well as uh, supply chain issues? Like we see a lot of the automotive industry is constrained a lot at the moment to do with uh, a lack of microchips and um, global companies like Applied Materials and others are their share price is really really high because yeah. there's so much demand for these things. Um, have you found the cost of some of your materials, or even I think timber and wood went up really high during the pandemic? Have you have you found more? costs on some things yeah so i mean the interesting thing is is to do with demand and supply of global commodities and materials what's happened which most people wouldn't have expected is that we've actually prices have gone up hmm. and that's to do with uh, constrained supply and there's still been demand hmm. so like timber is an example when people were at home what they decided to do is a lot of people decided they were going to fix their homes up so there was a massive demand for timber yeah and the price of timber went up yeah um, aluminium has hit record highs uh, yesterday um, because of supply and demand issues. Mm. But do you, is that on pre-committed projects, do you have to recost those or does your price go up and how do you keep the same margins in times like that? Yeah, that's a challenge because you could say, you know, this is an event that's actually out of your control. It's very difficult to actually allow for that. Yeah. Um, but often we price um, what's called a lump sum. Okay and you have to allow for escalation within your price. So it depends on what kind of a, um, what okay. type of a contract you've entered into. Okay, great. Kaz, uh, we'll take a short break. Okay. And we'll t when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the region and plans for the future. Okay, good. Hey guys, I'm Casey Fitzgerald. And I'm Simran Gupta from Love in Dubai, your go-to source for everything local news. Be sure to watch the Love in Dubai show for the latest on what's going on in this city and beyond with exclusive interviews every single morning. We go live every day at 8.30 a.m. sharp and 9.30 a.m. on weekends. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram and TikTok. Find us at Love in Dubai. And we're back. So, uh, Kaz, we were talking a lot about uh, the size and all the projects that Alec have done. But really, let's talk a little bit more about the expo. Uh, so we've so seen nice announcements of these big gates opened up. Uh, so what, what happens after, you know, the exhibition center and things like that? Are we, as Dubai residents, going to be uh, going to this uh, facility for the next sort of decade or so? Yeah, so that, that exhibition center is going to be used in the future. It's a brilliant facility. Um, you'll, you'll see what it's like when you go there. Um, it's used very natural materials, a lot of natural light. Um, and okay. it's, a, um, it's a fantastic facility. So a lot of exhibitions in the future are actually going to take place there. Plus, from a transport point of view, um, very easy to get there on the metro and also to get there by car now with all the fantastic interchanges and road network that we got. Mm. Um, I think there's going to be a big shift in that direction. And the World Central Airport as well. Yes. So a shift in terms of, you know, the World Trade Center is obviously a landmark in Dubai, but it's where the majority of events have taken place. Uh, will that allow Dubai to have two options for sort of meetings and events and things like that? And I think so, yeah. Okay. Uh, so the exhibition center, will that be as active as the main sort of pavilions throughout the six months as well? 
I think there's going to be activity all over the place. So mm. um, I think it's going to be very vibrant. Um, yeah. And there's going to be a lot of energy, a lot of activities, a lot of interest. Okay. And normally, when Alec, uh, when your company finishes projects, do you kind of stand back and marvel it and, and attend it like hotels, like everyone else? Um, and is this a? Are you finished with your construction work on the expo apart from the the pavilion and the display that you're doing? Yeah, we still. Um, I mean, in the final um, polishing up uh, phase, I mean, everyone's just getting everything ready for the event. Yeah. But uh, the vast majority of the work um, has been completed, and I mean, things are looking really good. Um, I think when we finish projects, um, you go through a lot of pain in getting these projects across the line. Yeah. So what you tend to do, it's more more about relief, I'd say. Yeah. And you're just thankful that you delivered it. Okay. So, but you're actually you'll be hands off apart from the the pavilion, uh, the area where you'll be on display. You won't have people maintenance or you won't have people working on it for the six months um we do have okay. maintenance teams so we understand um, basically how the whole systems come together so we will be assisting mm. um, on certain of the pavilions uh, throughout the six month period mm. so we are going to have those teams there okay and uh you know so do you think there'll be another project of that size within dubai and would you like to be involved in something like that again yeah i think uh, that's our sweet spot uh, yeah, we like okay. complex um difficult jobs that are very challenging yeah um so we try to seek out those kind of projects okay my brother is a quantity surveyor in he was in hong kong and he did projects in airports and then he was in new york and he's just built uh he'll kill me for getting the name wrong but it's like a modular housing in, in a unit in in berkeley he's built it himself yeah um what would what for people like that? What how how would I attract him, or how would people like that be interested in working in the UAE for companies like Alec? How do you attract talent? Look, I think um, this region attracts people on its own. Um, so the kind of projects that we work on are exciting, challenging. Okay. So people who want great experience and that uh, they will come here. Um, it's a country full of opportunity as well. Yeah. So people are attracted to places where there's opportunity to grow, develop. And then what we do within our business is we, we put a massive emphasis on our people and uh, we train and develop our people and challenge them on our projects. Mm, interesting. Okay, I'll tell them that. You can give him my number. <laughs> well, definitely. Um, so in terms of uh, two kind of questions, one in terms of massive projects like metros and expos and things like that, um, how important is the legacy of that uh, venue to, to a company like Alec? Are, are you looking at sort of obviously the sustainability part, but do you have a vested interest in, um, you know, we often hear of cities who go into debt to host Olympics and things like that. Do, do you have a vested interest and does it come back to the original point of running the project within budget? But um, in, in addition to a pride point of view, do you have a vested interest in that the project does have a legacy and is used after this sort of initial phase. Yeah, I think we're all part of that, um, that process. Mm. And um, we can't just think about the construction phase. We've really got to look at developments and projects that we look at them from, that they actually do work, that they are feasible, that they are efficient in the way that they're managed and run, and um, that they are attractions for a very long period of time. Yeah. And this is obviously that Dubai is, you know, almost like a, a startup city. It's, it's so innovative. It's so many new projects. But in that sense, the economy growth and that sort of vision to diversify away from oil and services, 
personally, how do you think uh, something like the legacy, the expo site uh, will contribute to the economy and the, and the growth of the GDP for the future in the UAE? Look, I think the greatest thing is we are going to attract people from all over the world. And the great thing is, I mean, connecting minds, creating a future. So just the fact that everyone is going to come here into one place and there are some real topics that we need to tackle as humanity and people that live on this planet. Mm. And there's a lot of things that we're getting very wrong at the moment mm. that need urgent action. So I think that call to action, having an event where people can collectively come together to debate, figure out how do we fix these issues and create a better future for everyone mm. um, is what's going to contribute to this region and I think the rest of the world as well. Amazing. Yeah, it's it's very exciting time. We're on the eve of it and I can't wait to check it out and, and more interest now that, that you have a presence there. Just talking in general of the wider region, um, many people call the Middle East an emerging market. What's your view of that? And maybe in context of of ICD in terms of, you know, His Highness Sheikh Mohammed often talks about uh, being a leader for the Arab youth and across the region. Is And we often see uh, big companies that grow out of Dubai take on projects in, in countries like Egypt and in Saudi Arabia. Is that something that Alec looks at as well? No, definitely. I think we, we're very fortunate here that we have great leadership um, within the UAE and forward-looking innovative leadership that actually want to be number one. So when you're part of a country like that, then when you get onto that journey with everyone else, um, you're on an upward trajectory. So I think the example is set. And um, and I mean, the kind of stuff that we're doing here collectively is amazing. And and I think everyone is on that journey. Are you involved in other projects? Are you involved in any of the bigger projects in Saudi Arabia or in New Cairo or things like that? Or, or do you look at those as opportunities? Yeah, so we've set up a business in Saudi Arabia. Um, there's a lot of work that's going to be coming out there. We also built the Saudi Pavilion at the Expo. That looks and, amazing. Yeah. yeah. And we worked with um, Aramco um, on that project. We had a, a great working experience working together with them. Yeah. And we've just been awarded our first project in Riyadh. Okay. Um, so we're looking at expanding, you know, into Saudi Arabia. Okay. We're also working in Ethiopia as well. Okay, interesting. Um, okay, brilliant. And so sort of the, the other, are there any sort of exciting projects uh, that you're kind of near completion outside of the expo in Dubai that we'll see sort of finishing in the next sort of 12 months or so? Yeah, so I mean, one of the great projects we're working on is Wanzabil yeah. at the World Trade Center roundabout. I mean, it's a phenomenal building. It's uh, 580,000 square meters. So it's, it's, a, it's a massive building in its own right. And I'm sure you've seen it there with the massive link, yeah. um, which is going to be, uh, you know, the longest cantilever structure in the world. And that link is going to be phenomenal. Okay. So can you explain that? Is that kind of, that? Uh, I'm not familiar with it. Is that sim near where the Museum of the Future is and the complex around there? Um, it's a little bit further down. Okay. So at the World Trade Center roundabout, um, okay. you'll, you'll see it. So there's two very high, high-rise buildings uh, straddling over a four-lane highway in between and uh, what we had to do was basically incrementally launch the link across ah. that uh, road, um, get it in position and then we had to hoist up with strain jacking 
nine and a half thousand tons of structural steel to get it into position. Mind-boggling numbers, amazing. So, okay, so uh, you know, and we can check that out on on Alec website or on the One Zabil website. We can see more about that project. Yeah. And, and when's it due to be complete, or what stage are you at? Yeah. So that that project, I mean, the target there is to. Um, finished by the end of 2022 okay um, and it's going to be handed over in phases okay interesting and is it sort of commercial residential and what what will what how will we access it um so the one tower is uh, residential um the other tower is a combination of offices um it's also going to be a one and only um with a, a new brand that they're going to be bringing in as well wow. um, as well as the um, executive offices the city never stops because yeah. thank you so much for your time this morning. Uh, I've learned a lot and I can't wait to see what you, what projects Alec continue to roll out. Okay, thanks very much. Thank you. Wow, what an interesting conversation with Kez. Uh, I knew a lot must have gone into these big developments, but I didn't really know it from, from the point of view of, of running that type of company. Um, and there's so many uh, things happening in construction, so many different challenges and different trends. So it's really cool to uh, to know about it. Uh, and yeah, hope you guys got something out of that as well. Subscribe to Debt Works podcast wherever you get your uh, audio or get your podcasts. And if you're interested, you can check us out on social media at Smashy TV or Smashy TV underscore EN. On Instagram, we actually have loads of different verticals. So we've got Smashy Crypto, Smashy Gaming, Smashy Sports, Smashy Green. So whatever your interest is, just type in Smashy and play around there on the different handles and find the Instagram channel that you're interested in and send us some stories of what you want us to cover as well. Next week on the show, we're going to have the CEO of Petra Insurance, Ramzi Gorani, and he's going to be telling us about uh, the insurance industry in Dubai and how they run their business. So tune in uh, 11 a.m. Uh, UAE time next Thursday.